This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crab part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Roger. Oh, we're back! We are. Like some mix a lot. We're back to fall, back to school. Football, the one constant. In an ever-changing world, David. It's the only way I know I'm alive. I love it. <laughs> Operation Overlord 2. That's what I love, David. Uh-huh. Remember that? Yeah. Our plan? Mm-hmm. To airlift a thousand GFOPs. Maybe not a thousand. Oh, Elon Musk's designing a plane. Yeah, to England. What are we doing this in 2027? Uh, I think 2042. Okay. We probably... He said 2019, but I think he meant 2042. You know okay. what Elon's like. Elon, he's proper West Ham. We're going to take him to England for a weekend of Premier League pie-eating. Yeah. And it's had a remarkable response. I can't tell if it's just like the, the pies, the football, or just the collective togetherness. We have had an incredible response. A ton of military GFOPs offering their service as medics and bodyguards. Mm-hmm. Custom officers. Who knew? Who knew we had custom officer GFOPs stepping up yeah. to assure smooth passport control? You'd be able to mule those drugs back in, people. Master Brewers uh-huh. offering to handle the beer supply chain. North Carolinian barbecue pit masters bringing the pulled pork fury. Mm. And here's two that really touched me, Davo. Roger Florio, one of the great Rogers of Wayne PA, offered to pilot one of our planes. He said, good. I've only had three flying lessons, but I'm in. <laughs> okay, good. That would be right up Men in Blazers Street. That's right on brand. <laughs> Get on that plane. Yeah, that's good. We only need to procure you a B-17 flying fortress, and you'll uh-huh. be such an asset. Uh-huh. And the other one, Davo, that I loved, Michelle Rutno-Johnson of Athens, Ohio, who wrote the following. I can make a variety of balloon shapes. Parrot, sword, <laughs> flower, cat, dog, giraffe, mouse... Turtle, butterfly, motorcycle, and also eat fire whilst on eight-foot stilts. <sighs> we need, didn't we, we need, need her on the aircraft? We had a hole to fill. Yeah. Now it's filled. Of course, she's a Chelsea fan. Yeah, of course she is. Oh, I will say, eating fire whilst on eight-foot stilts. My worry about her is she may end up being made U.S. men's national team manager because those are Bruce Arena-level mad skills. We need flight attendants, Rog, and we also need to establish what is the largest commercial airliner, what is the largest capacity of the largest commercial airliner. I think Aeroflot have one that can fly <laughs> several thousand people. <laughs> but, do you wanna, or do you want to take two airliners? In which case well, we probably, need another pilot with maybe four flying lessons. But probably the two pilot, because the Aeroflot one, there uh-huh. is a massive Aeroflot plane. Yeah. It specialises in taking off from Moscow right into the ground. That's really yeah. the only destination. Or, or we can take one, and it can do a few trips. And it'll be like, you wait there. We're just going to be back. We're going to go and pick up the others, and we'll oh, be shuttles. back. And then it'll get back again. We'll just, just wait there. We'll be back. Oh, shuttle runs. Yeah. Oh, David, this is happening. This is happening, GFOPs. We're going to Burnley. We're going to Burnley. We're yeah. going to Huddersfield. We're sleeping at DeAndre's house. Goal scorer at DeAndre's house. <laughs> Going to party all night long at DeAndre's house. Can Keep... I just say something right now? It's not happening because this why? will require... Why? negative thinking? I'll tell you why. No, because this will require a yeah. lot of paperwork to be filled out. Yeah. It's a uh, lot of bureaucracy. Oh, and there's oh. one thing you don't do, Rog. It's paperwork. So Feel you it. like it right now while it's, we're going to take a thousand people. We're going to get a massive jet. Elon Musk is going to design it. Musky. And we're going to go Musky. here. We'll have a competition. for. We'll have stilt walkers and yeah. pilots with three flying and lessons. Barbecue but, pit but when we actually get to the point of the bureaucracy of filling yeah. this out and making it happen, yeah. until I look at JW and I see JW actually like <laughs> working on this, I'm, uh, we'll just continue David, to talk did, about it at I the beginning feel of when the you, when you re- when you broach that 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 small that small weakness that I do have, it felt like you were jamming your finger right into my belly button. I've got a very sensitive belly button, and when someone like jams their finger in, it's like overwhelming the sensory everything. I feel like I you don't just want did you to see it like a belly button. I want you to think of it more as I'm taking my middle knuckles and I'm putting them up your nose, and my two outside <laughs> fingers are going into your eyes. I want it to feel more like that. <laughs> I want to tell you though. That was the old me that didn't do paperwork. I'm American now, David. I'm a can-do person. I make crap happen. I, you do? New, yeah. I'm a, we're a can-do people, uh-huh. the American people. Uh-huh. An American... I, I will admit, English Rog, yeah. this would have just gone on for weeks yeah. like, and then just gone off into the ether. It would never have happened. 
American Rog. Yeah. American Rog. Hello, NetJet owners. I know you're listening to American yeah. Rog. American Rog is a doer. I think what I'm suggesting is that there are three kinds of people. There are critics, there are talkers, and there are doers. And <laughs> an English Rog, definitely a critic. So maybe American Rog has become a talker, but you're nowhere near the doer. When it's got to the, the, the necessary bureaucracy and actual planning to go and like put a thousand GFOPs and send them to Burnley. Oh. Mate, you know, I got the train to DC the other day and we drove, we, the train goes past Trenton and there's that amazing sign on the bridge. Why is yeah. it Trenton works and America takes or something like that? Roger works. Yeah. America will benefit from this. This, yeah. you've thrown down the gauntlet. Yeah. You've thrown down your, your bullcrap on it up. Yeah. And this is ranking quite high for you on the yeah. bullcrap. By the way, this as is going to happen this, now. Like my as teeth Rod says yet. this to me, pointing at me, he's wearing his Hartford Whalers cap. <laughs> A great but defunct hockey team. One of the greatest sports logos of all time. Yeah, it's great with the little whale tail. Yeah, but right also the, the eight the in the negative hidden within the, hidden within the yeah. design. Amazing. Don't even start me. I've been like, I'm not involved in the design of the Hartford Athletic USL team logo. Yeah. But I've around well, a lot of people. Why are they even trying to have a I'm logo? Around, they can't top this. No, they can't They do can't it. top this. I'm around a lot of the people doing it. The, the Hartford Whalers logo looms large. You can't top for it. For the team trying to come up with a Hartford Athletic logo. What was your point, though? As you are listening to Rog, he's wearing a Hartford Wheelers hat. Well, a defunct <laughs> team. It's like, do you, and what's that on your shirt? Unicorns. Unicorns, <laughs> okay. It's a, it's just a... <laughs> you live in a world oh, of like yesteryear a, and fantasy, I feel like Rog. I'm playing chess against Dave Out, and he's winning. He's winning. I'm going to say this. Don't yeah. listen to Dave Out. Listen yeah. to Do a Rog. Keep pouring in your suggestions, GFOPs. In the words of Richard Scudamore at our Washington Embassy live show, I'm going to kind of paraphrase slightly. Let's make Great Britain America again. (laughs) Who said that? (laughs) Nobody. Richard Scudamore said, let's make America Great Britain again. That was like his joke about the Premier League's popularity. I want to tweet that loosely for this the Operation Overlord 2. The motto is, let's make Great Britain America again. We're going to take over. A genuine, I mean, this is going to happen. Do a Rog telling you now. This yeah. is going to happen in 2018. In 2018? Yeah. I'm not a Musk person who just talks and never delivers. Sorry, Muskie. I know you're listening. Proper West Ham, Muskie. But this is happening. This is how I'm going to give it my all. You've challenged me. We've got about 116 days left in 2018, Rog. Oh, in 2018, I say 2018, you just said 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, David, when are we back on TV? After the international break, which is going to spare you our crap next week. But we return Monday, September 17th at 5.30pm Eastern Time after that vaunted South Coast clash between Southampton and Brighton on NBCSN. Key and Peele and Predator star Keegan-Michael Key joins us for that one. Can I say how fantastic he was? He is proper Liverpool. Mm. But he does a Jose Mourinho impression as Luther the Anger translator that is just like... It is to die. Possibly okay, the, my funniest moment with a guest in the panic room. Oh, awesome. Can't wait for that, Rog. Okay, we've got a packed show. We're going to recap the Premier League remake of Tora, 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 in which <laughs> anti Ed Woodward planes encircle Turf Moor as Man United defeat Burnley two goals to nil. We break down defending champs City rebounding from last week's draw by defeating Newcastle despite a great American goal from DeAndre Yedlin. <sighs> And we talk Liverpool, Chelsea, and Watford. <laughs> Glorious Watford, Rog, staying perfect through four games. Do you want a toast, David? I'd love a toast. Oh, thank you for asking. I raise my second first bud of the day mm. to the end of summer. I say this, having just packed away all my whites. I actually don't wear any white. Do you wear white? Stan Smiths. You do. A couple do you, of white shirts. You do. White pants, ever. Don't ever wear white don't pants. Don't go for the white pants. Yeah. I've got They're a bit wham. Fit. They're a bit wham, 1980s. That, well, that makes me want to wear them. I'm yeah. always worried about my undies popping through. And really? <laughs> yeah. 
Lundy reveal. Accidental yeah. Lundy reveal. Is when very we went and did the running the balls, we wore a lot of white shorts. We did. Yeah. And a lot. I wore cricket pants for a lot of that time. Yeah. But my, my seersuckers have gone away, and I, I do know. have a large collection of seersucker, the true fabric of democratic freedom. And let's forget that it's currently 93 degrees outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. I want to embrace my old friend fullback with an open heart in the same way as the Bears embrace Khalil Mack. Yes, we're going to win it all! There's two kinds of people in the world, David. We've often talked about this. Those who live to wear shorts, yeah. even when it's like 50 degrees out. Mm. In spring, they've just got to break out the shorts and the Birkenstocks. And then there's those of us who love the chunky knit. <laughs> I don't think I'm either of those. I like wearing shorts, but I, I won't break them out in early spring. But if you get to warm weather, I'll wear shorts. Oh, I love a shawl collar cardi. You love a shawl cardi. I do. I love a shawl collar cardi. Yeah. And I want to raise this bud, bud fam, blood fam, to the onset of four, the Premier League getting serious, along with my cardigan collection, log fires and the occasional talisker, to life, to love, to fall, the greatest third season of the year. But to the football. Okay, Burnley, nil, Man United 2. A first-half Romelu-Lukaku double sees Jose Mourinho avoid what would have been three defeats on the spin. Despite the scoreline, the win was anything but routine, featuring a Marcus Rashford red card, Joe Hart penalty save, and, as we mentioned, a pre-match peasant strafing courtesy of an anti-Ed Woodward banner. Aircraft. This game kind of had it all, David. I mean, before the game, it kind of had it all. I mean, before kickoff. Those Manchester United walls felt like they were closing in on poor Jose Mourinho. He was asked in a press conference whether he would remain one of the world's greatest managers. No one asked me this question, even if he didn't win another title, a ninth title. And he just flippantly said as if he was expecting a question. Of course, did you read any philosopher? Was his quote, did you read any philosopher? I love that. You spent time reading Hegel? He's speaking to a football journalist. That's really just yeah. go, you spent time reading Hegel. They're like, was he the Austrian footballer who played in <laughs> midfield at the, uh, the Euros? I'm trying to remember who Hegel was. He says, just as an example, Hegel says, it's always in the hole that you find the truth, meaning my whole record speaks for itself. I've got so many questions, David, but you are my Mourinhoologist. Do you really believe, yes or no, that Jose Mourinho tucks himself into his hotel bed at night and reads a social and political thought of 19th century German idealist Hegel? At the Lowry Hotel yeah. in Manchester. Yeah. No, I don't believe. I'd like to know his processor. I'd like to know if that was a Wikipedia search. I'd like to know if what he put in the search bar. Is it Brainy philosophers quotes. who can back me up in press conferences? Or was it philosophers who might have made points that could be helpful to me when I'm having one bad start to the season, but I can sell my whole record? I'd like to know that. Or if he's speaking to some young philosophy student in the bar around the corner from the Larry Hotel. Michael Carrick. Yeah, and they, they help him out. <laughs> with it. I want to know the process. No, I don't believe he's reading Hegel. I do believe that this is his continuing... It's his continuing trope. It's what he continues to be frustrated about. The credit going to a lot of people who've never won the Premier League title. And he, who has won the Premier League title three times, read between the lines. He keeps on holding up those three, and I just want him to say, read between the lines. Like the Hartford yeah. Whaler logo. Yeah, exactly, with the H in the middle. Um, <sighs> and he, it's his continuing frustration that he's not getting enough credit. But, my but, God, it, I, it's the same feeling. You know, in his latter days as a Chelsea manager, both times, you are permanently embarrassed by what he's saying. You sort of feel like, oh, shut up, Jose. I can't better hear that Not again. the Hegel again, Jose. <laughs> I don't think he's ever done the Hegel before. We need to search and figure out he's done the Hegel. And I'm sure Man United fans right now are just so tired of having to defend him. I mean, I think they either, they either are tired of defending him or they will blindly walk over a cliff or they're all in on this thing. I will say, if he was a true student of philosophy, Jose would know that Hegel also wrote that world history is a court of judgment. And we'd be a little more wary about selectively quoting him. But to me, Mourinho feeling the need to proclaim his greatness through Hegel, as if Hegel was a Rasmussen poll, it's kind of a sign that even Mourinho thinks it might have come to an end at United. And instead, he's got to protect the entirety, the totality, firewall his entire legacy. So we've got Hegel. We've got light aircraft pulling banners, Dave, ahead of games, which I find so boring. It's unbelievable. This one. Screaming Ed Woodward, specialist in failure. Suspiciously written in Jose Mourinho's handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think it's, about- it's amazing how he's able to keep his handwriting intact <laughs> when, he's, when he's designing an enormous banner, yeah. which is being pulled by an aircraft. Yeah. 
And it, it, I think Sebastian Gorka may be trying to spread the conspiracy theory that the light aircraft was a false flag operation paid for by Ed Woodward. But to be honest, I tuned into this one to watch how far United have fallen. And the answer is, not to Burnley's level. I mean, oh, poor Burnley. Sean Dyche's team just bounced from the Europa League. They were crap. Sunk by two incredibly un-Burnley of last season goals to concede through porous, bullyable defending. Romelu scored them both. And there was a sign of the pressure, perhaps, that United have toiled over. Little celebration from him for either goal. It was either that or the realisation that he just scored goals which could save Jose Mourinho's job. But there was relief on Mourinho's face, a fist pump, a man who's just been waiting to exhale. Look, I think this was an important game for Man U and Jose Mourinho. I think an important game for them, but not for all the reasons that, that the media are writing about. That this game is some kind of referendum uh, on Jose Mourinho and his future at the club. A vote of confidence. I think it's important because I still think this Premier League season is going to be close because I think you've got a lot of teams at the top who are going to beat each other up. And also because I still think that Jose Mourinho is going to last the season. That's why I think this is important. So I think we're getting lost in the immediate Mourinho narrative and losing the larger important. I think it's also important because Burnley, this team who've been so good for so many seasons, now are struggling all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. People have figured out the way they play. Yeah. People have an attack plan against Burnley. They're not being surprised. This was Fortress Turf Moor, Rog. This was last season. <sighs> Fortress so Turf Moor. And in this one, they had little in the way of response. Marwan Fellaini in his 250th game and 10th Premier League season was magnificent in midfield. Lukaku scored twice, matching the 104 career Premier League goal mark of his hero Didier Drogba, but in 30 games less. We still don't herald Lukaku as like a great on the Drogba kind of plinth, though, do we? Well, it's because he's not quite as great as we want him to be with that physique and that ability that we've seen him have he's not consistently great he's not consistently great um, and obviously he's got a very checkered past with Jose Mourinho at both Man United and at Chelsea but this was a game that Man United looked comfortable in for pretty much the entire game Burnley never really looked like scoring yeah we had to we had to really milk deeply to find any sense of Schadenfreude uh, as a Manchester United let's say neutral and we did get it. We got two. We got the Paul Pogba penalty miss against yeah. Joe Hart. Yeah. A matchup which, when I say it even now, it feels like it could only exist in fan fiction because those two players, they seem to come from radically different footballing yeah. eras. He, also, he made another good save. He Joe did. Hart. He, he did. did. With his hands. He did. <laughs> it wasn't his head just got in the way. It was, he, made a, he made a save with his head. He made a big boy save, Rod. He's playing for an MLS future, mm. is Joe, with his fraying, balding fringe. And he came up strong. By the way, I've only watched the Paul Pogba penalty miss about 112 times. Just that forever suspense of Pogba's self-icing, trot, 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 trot towards the ball. The Joe Hart dive. His bark of glory, the vindication, the human redemption playing out before our eyes. Really the wonder and pathos of it all. Joe Hart is like an English Mickey Rourke, the wrestler. Uh, he's like Randy the Ram Robinson. The only place I get hurt is out there. The world don't give a crap about me. And then we had Rashford sending off. First time, really, we've seen Marcus Rashford act his age. He's just a baby. He's not a fully grown human. Rashar, listen. Oh, he felt so bad after the game. He posted on social media. His grammar was all wrong. I just felt like terrible. I shouldn't have done that or yeah, something. Shouldn't bet, have reacted in that way. I bet you his mum sent him oh. to bed early. Yeah, Seven I o'clock. I know. With yeah. No dinner. Yeah, no you're grounded. You're no grounded dessert. for a month. No pudding. Can you explain it to me, though? I mean, this rutting deer red card lulled by, in both cases, Rich Arlison last week, uh, Rash Arlison this week, a wily old pro winding them up. Why does the forehead-to-forehead act of self-control subdued aggression. Why does that only exist in football and gazelle rutting, David? I offer the same explanation. I think it does also exist in... I've seen it in rugby league. I've seen it in rugby union. I've seen it in cricket. You have. I've not seen it in tennis, but you've seen it in other sports. And I see it pretty much nightly in bars in New York City. Why, though? Why why, why do you have the self-control not to punch someone, not to headbutt them really hard, but just put your cranium just against their cranium when you know... You're going to get sent off anyway. You're going to get sent off anyway. You may as well follow through like Dusty Rhodes and really level someone. You're going to get a because red card it's, either it, way. It, it's a, it goes back, I'm sure, as I sort of explained, but I'll expand on it in last week's pod. It goes back to sort of a Neanderthal instinct is when, when the Neanderthals, and I'm sure the gazelles do it as well, but I'm really, I'm really focused on the, 
the ancestors of humans, uh, <laughs> that, that, that Neanderthals would go and like head rut yeah. in that way. You think Neanderthals would put their heads just uh, against each uh, other? Uh, 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 and it was always for either for supremacy over the, over the tribe, over your, over your pack, over yeah. your crew, yeah. and almost certainly in order to gain supremacy, somebody's just been cuckolded or their mother's just been called fat or been insulted in some way. So suddenly, somebody just puts their head up to you, and you go back to the Neanderthal days, you've been cuckolded, your mother's been abused, all these things have happened, you just can't help yourself. Yeah, but if that's what I'm saying, you just can't help yourself. Neanderthal man would slaughter the opponent. Oh, By the way, but the, it's the, a the, mating the, ritual, it's the, like a the, dance. The, the Neanderthal would place his forehead, the, his Harry Maguire-sized forehead. Slab head. His slab head. Yeah. Neanderthal man wouldn't just put it gently against the, the, the person who cuckolded him. He'd destroy him. He'd get his mallet and just oh, beat him God, you need in to front watch of the rest more, of the tribe. More Attenborough nature documentaries. There's a dance. There's a ritual. Sometimes that ritual can go on for minutes, for hours before any, any real contact is I is just made. don't understand. If you're going to get a red card anyway, do what the greats do, Zidane. Just yeah. level, level mm. him, level him. Don't funny around with the little half measures. At Richie FC yeah. tweeted us to say, the red card headbutt, almost as popular as the Delhi challenge now. Who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will be next week? We should do one after this pod yeah. and see how it feels. It'd be good for you. Mm. Oh, Burnley, very good at one thing and one thing only in this game, heading the ball over the bar from incredibly close range. Yeah, good at that. One point from their first four games, nine goals conceded. Europa League, I said this is an Everton fan, we found this out too. Such a curse for mm. aspirational, upwardly mobile dreaming clubs. It is a cruel trick that just stretches the resources. It just destroys the energy that saps the life force and will out of a team stymieing their progress. For United though, clean sheets, big points, international break that Jose will no doubt use to read. Hegel, elements of the philosophy of the right, Cambridge text in the history of political thought. Couldn't have come at a better time for them, right David? They've, they've stymied the dark narrative. Yeah, six points. They're level with Everton, Rod. And, you know, four points behind City. You've dropped a point and we're in a little bit of trouble this week. Nobody looking that impressive. Dream again. So it's all okay. At the final whistle, Jose walked off, continued his one-man charm offensive crisis PR efforts. Did you see him give his blazer to a small boy in the crowd? It was very moving. Yeah, it was. If you're in the pro-Jose faction, the base, it still seems like a vulnerable figure, David. There was a moment post-match where a journalist told... Jose, that Lukaku had said that you are a different man behind closed doors. And for a second, it's worth looking, we put it on our Twitter feed, Jose pauses awkwardly because he doesn't know if it meant different horrible or different nice. And the mm. journalist says, in a good way. And Mourinho was so surprised to hear it. Momentarily, he was stunned. Momentarily stunned and lost for words. Have we seen this Jose before? <sighs> this vulnerable... I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of this is in the eye of the beholder. You know, we've seen defiant, we've seen defiant Jose, we've seen defensive Jose, we've seen Jose looking lost, we've seen him looking we've seen him depressed by in the Diego dugout. Costa. Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, you're right. We have seen him bibbed. bibbed. He hasn't been bibbed yet. Costa bibbed him. Um, so I don't know. I think we've seen it all I before. Him. But I also think we've seen. There's part of me. It's like. You can go broke riding off this guy too soon. Like, you just do not want to write him off. He's in the center of the narrative. There's no place he wants to be more than in the center of the narrative. Even if he has to be miserable being there. Yeah, write it's a book better about than, me, Bob Woodward. It's better than not being in the center. Oh, he is right now very much a rock, an island. Like, I got my books and my poetry to protect me. By the way, Simon and Garfunkel's I Am a Rock, I Am an Island was my favorite song when I was a kid. My favorite mm -hmm. for the first 10 years of my life until my first ever serious girlfriend told me it was actually intentionally ironic. <laughs> a fact which so upturned my world, turned me inside out, that my relationship ended within a week. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite song for the first 10 years of my life was Remember You're a Womble. Really? Without a doubt. God, that feel well captures us both. Yours, is, yours is much happier and more upbeat than mine. Man City 2, Newcastle 1, Peps Mob bounce back from last week's draw with Wolves, topping a toon side who seem allergic to their opponents half this season. City struck just eight minutes in with a thumping Raz finish. Might have injured him, Rog, but in the 30th minute, <laughs> out of nowhere, a streaking DeAndre Yedlin latched onto a Salomon Rondon ball to level the score. Yes! According to Paul Carr, he is the first US international to score a Premier League goal since Jeff Cameron did it, maybe accidentally, in March 2014. But it all went for naught 
because in the 52nd minute, Kyle Walker unleashed a piece of British artillery so powerful it would have made Monty himself smile. City hold on to make it three wins and a draw from there. First four. We're talking there about Field General Montgomery, not Colin Montgomery, uh, for our Same younger listeners. Same person. Manchester City, we should note, 10 years on from their takeover by sovereign state Abu Dhabi's Sheikh Mansour, yeah. who originally invested in the team to give his sovereign state a much-needed PR boost. The $2 million he invested worth every penny, I'd say, from an unpaid media perspective as he has propelled ratty, scrappy, slapstick Manchester City through a radical transformation, Charles Atlas style, from the wimp who'd had sand perpetually kicked in his face on the beach into the rippled, muscled, speedo-wearing beach god we know today, Dave. Yeah. Do you admire what they've done or do you resent it? Yeah, I admire it. I don't resent it at all. I think this is part of what's made the Premier League great is all of this money that's flooded into the game versus other leagues around the world. And I think they've played... Some brilliant football. I admire it. I can't say I've got like real passion for it. And then producer J-Dub says he looks forward to watching Manchester City more than any other team in the weekend, and I cannot fathom that. Yeah, I find it a little, I find it a little tough. I find it a little synthetic. Synthetic. The product. I say that, and as a Chelsea fan, I know there are Man City fans saying, oh, you're such a hypocrite. I actually don't think Chelsea's football has been synthetic. I think they've played a certain style a lot of the time under Ident- Mourinho. Identity. And under identity, Conte, identity. which is much sort of to do with Chelsea's history. And Everton's and think, identity is losing. So it's <laughs> like, yeah, Everton are right on brand. But you're right about identity. It's been a yeah. radical identity shift. Radical identity shift for Man yeah. City. And, and this game was a harder fought three points than anyone watching the first 20 minutes would have imagined. Raz finishing within eight minutes. Oh, jokes about Raz Sterling's finishing ability have faded along with the era of the fidget spinner. But then out of nowhere, like a proton torpedo flying down a thermal exhaust port on the Death Star, he scores when he wants. He scores when he wants. DeAndre Yedlin. <laughs> he scores when he wants, David. Yeah. And you're American now. It's the first Premier League goal I've ever seen scored by an American as an American. Okay, that's good. I'm really glad for you. But I think, Meaningful. But I think celebrating a lone American scored goal, the first American scored goal in four years, yeah. in a losing effort for Newcastle, I actually think that it's a little bit insulting to American Americans. I'm not American, Roger. He, by the way, De- DeAndre didn't celebrate it like this. Roger Bennett did, just <laughs> yeah, to be clear. I feel like American soccer is further along this. I don't want to sound like Alexi Lalas. He's just doing his job. Yeah. But... Yeah, Americans should be scoring goals in the Premier League. Here's what I thought when he scored, why it moved me, is that partially, yes, Paul Carr's stat is wrong. It's not been four years since an American scored a goal because DeAndre actually scored an own goal last week. <laughs> and there's something human to me about scoring an own goal last week against Chelsea, and then he, you only go and score your first ever Premier League goal into an opponent's net for reals with a run from so deep. I think it started in Seattle. But deeper than that, Dave, I thought in that second, projected in your language, and I agreed, projection. But we've had DeAndre on the show a couple of times, and I wonder what feelings he must have experienced. I mean, it's such tenacity, endeavor, such character that propelled a success that's gone under the radar from an American perspective, I'd say. I mean, when I first met him, I was making the behind-the-scenes documentary for the U.S. team running into the last World Cup, and he suddenly arrived in camp out of nowhere as this homegrown, deeply inexperienced sounder who'd just been called up. He was still a kid. He was barely a pro. One minute, I look at his life, he was an Akron zip. The next, he was in a World Cup squad in Brazil. And before he knew it, Tottenham Hotspur had plucked him to play Premier League football. I mean, that rise was so effortless in world football, so giddy, so incredible. A Tottenham team he never got to play in in the Premier League. He was then just suddenly spat out. He had a sudden rise and then an incredible descent. Sunderland, the championship, he struggled so badly to begin with. Most men would have folded and just returned back to America. But he's displayed the inner strength, the resilience to grind his way back to the Premier League with Newcastle. So to me, Davo, in that minute, I thought, wow, scoring against mighty Manchester City. To me, he's all that's good about football and about life, to be honest. He's a very good player and he's also a lovely, lovely man. A lovely, lovely man. And he's doing a lot. I feel a little bit bad he's playing on such a poor Newcastle team this season. Yeah, that was their only meaningful attack of the entire game. And Kyle Walker restored order, lashed the ball from way downtown, just struck it so cleanly with precision, with control. And that was all that it needed to condemn Newcastle. God, 
to their 10th successive league defeat at the Etihad. At least you're consistent, Newcastle fans. Not the greatest City performance. Seem to lack their catalyst. The turbo speed, quick feet, quicker mind of Kevin De Bruyne. Mares yet to convince. Bernardo, a real energizer. Odd storyline, though. David Leroy Sané. Bit weird. Left out. Your mate. Matchday squad. There you yeah, go. He keeps on falling out with people. And he's so nice. I had uh, lunch with Leroy Sané in Los uh, Angeles. L.A., during the early days of the World Cup. You tried to uh, convince him to sign for Hartford Athletic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could happen. Yeah. Could happen. And lovely guy. Lovely guy. Intelligent. I, I think there's something weird going on. He is in the Germany squad again, so he's on the international break. So the, we'll the, see what happens. The, 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 the story out of City is that there was a slackness on the training ground. You see him. His benching is a warning to all. It's very Guardiola that this season, complacency is going to be City's greatest enemy and it cannot be allowed for a second to flicker into life. Leicester won Liverpool two. Jurgen Klopp's side stay perfect, taking all three points off the Foxes at the King Power. First half goals from Sadio Mane and Bobby Chompers had Liverpool leading comfortably when, in the 63rd minute, the team's other Brazilian showman, goalkeeper Alisson, tried an insane piece of skill on the edge of his own box, only to be dispossessed and have Rashid Hazel pump one into a gaping net. Somehow Klopp kept his head from combusting and Liverpool hold on to win. 333 minutes of not leaking a goaling football. Is yeah. that a term? But then yeah. suddenly everything changed, Dave. Leicester had begun to overrun Liverpool's midfield. Mm. And we knew, ultimately, Liverpool would leak a goal, but this was in the most self-destructive way possible. I think the tactical term you use is they Lloris the goal. Yeah, it was a bit Benny Hill, this goal. What happened, David? Well, he's just trying to, like, control the ball. He got a pass back that maybe was a tiny bit aggressive. Put him under pressure. Put him under some pressure, and he then... Not as much went, pressure as he decided to put himself under. I know, with a sort of a modified Cruyff turn. And yep. I use the word modified to mean not at all a Cruyff turn, <laughs> as he tried to, like, very, very slowly move from the edge of the box back towards his own goal. Because what you want to do when you're being pressured is turn back towards your own goal. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think skateboard fans may recognize it as a double ollie and a kickflip. Yeah. It, it was amazing to watch. It made you appreciate how good Cruyff was at Cruyff. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> well, uh, wouldn't every single goalkeeper, apart from maybe Simon Mignolet, would they not have just booted it? What was it about his mind that made him think, oh, it's only a Hinacho, I got this? Well, I think, you know, Klopp afterwards said, you know, sometimes by defenders, I think he wanted, you know, Gomez to boot it wanted somebody else to boot it. I think he wanted Kenny Dalglish to get out of the stands and go on the field and boot it. And he would certainly wanted the goalkeeper to do it. But that's probably not the way they practice. Probably not what they try to do in training. They're probably trying to play the ball. It's the modern thing, Rog. Yeah. Everybody's playing the ball. And so, uh, so we didn't do it. Yeah. Hinacho oh, not fooled. I did love the way Alisson fell over. I've watched it so many times in slow motion. His physique is amazing. He's beautiful. His feet are unbelievable. He suddenly turned into an aged old man just tumbling. In It was just like you reminded me we were all going to die. You actually uh, spent more time this weekend watching replays of the, po- of the Pogba penalty <laughs> and then Alisson falling Can't over than out. you actually did watching football. Find your happiness where you can. I take risks. That's what I do. Alison had said before the game. This then was the first self-inflicted wound. It won't be the last. Klopp said afterwards, I knew it was coming. I, mean, I want to be clear. This doesn't make Alison a joke. He's going to learn from this. He's very much a net game. He is going to be worth the $72 million that Liverpool paid for him. Liverpool, they really clung on at the end to be, and I say this with respect, I take off my hat. Liverpool are champions of August. First time. They've won four straight opening games since 1990, which is amazing feeling if you're a Liverpool fan. Just 34 more wins, Liverpool fans. Just 34. That's all it's going to take for chance to dream. Remember this moment, though, because I think there's a little bit of foreshadowing in this moment. (gasps) I love foreshadowing. Okay, Chelsea 2. Bournemouth nil. Sarri ball rolls on at Stamford Bridge against the Cherries. Thanks to second-half goals from performing Rabbit, Pedro and Eden Hazard, both of which, it should be said, came after Olivier Giroud replaced Morata. Chelsea have played for one four and are looking... I mean, they're looking somewhat up for it. Do Still don't love the football they're playing, Roger. You don't? I yeah. thought progress. Sarri Ball making well, they were progress. At home. Last week, they laboured to unlock the back line in Newcastle. This week... They, they laboured to unlock the back line of Bournemouth. But they look more clinical. Bournemouth are good. They're, they're tenacious. They're organised. But they seem more clinical, more pacey, more collectively swarming with movement, with tiny, tiny passes. Amazing stat. Chelsea have completed over 200 more passes than even Manchester City, who own trademark passes. 
this season. It's like me finding out I've actually eaten more pies than Big Sam. Are you not enjoying anything? Jorginho slapping the ball around like a Premier League Blake Bortles? I'm enjoying Eden Hazard. Seems happy, bizarre. I'm enjoying Eden Hazard because he's playing magnificent football. Without Eden Hazard, I don't know what Chelsea are. They've been like the room without Tommy Wiseau. What do you think of it, Pedro? What's your position on Pedro? I love Pedro. I find him so entertaining watching him play, but most of the time he's running in the wrong direction away from his own goal. Nobody runs (laughs) away from goal. (laughs) He must love Sarri Ball because he gets to both run away from the goal he's trying to score in, run away in the other direction, and he gets to pass the ball sideways. He carries like a scarlet letter. He feels ashamed still to be in the Premier. He's always seemed embarrassed to be playing for Chelsea. Do you think you might be projecting that just a little, Roger? Played for Barcelona by Messi, and now this is it. He seems very happy. He's like happy feet three. He's a little Juan Mata, Pedro. He seems very, seems joyful. You know who I'm starting to love? Who? Sarri. Really? Yeah. I I, I just love that in an era in which managers Mm. have either been made or have made themselves like the centre of attention. Klopp, Pep, Mourinho, Hegel. Sarri. And it's just like oversized scrubs. Those pants... The baggy pants, his plain white kicks. If you gave him a mop, he'd look like a hospital orderly. He just is so counter to everything else. Uh, This is not about me, his outfit screams. But he seems to have won the respect of the players at Chelsea in general, Hazard in particular. I've got to say, they look like a team that are playing for their manager. And when Chelsea do play for their manager, they do bloody well, David. They do the business. I don't know that they're playing for the manager and you you read their comments. I think they're enjoying the freedom of playing. It's almost like they don't have to play for their manager. They can just play and express themselves as footballers. They understand the system. Obviously, like you you set a foot wrong and you are out of the squad. You're out of the team. He seems to be a disciplinarian. One thing I find entertaining about him is in the, the media age, his complete unwillingness to make any eye contact during press conferences or during interviews. He just looks anywhere but at the interviewer and at the camera. And he's a very (laughs) old-school, non-media-friendly figure, Sari, in an age where we have all of these managers who are... It's like Italian Rog. Well, yes. Well, no, you're more media-friendly now, Rog. But it's a... We have all of these managers who are so good for the television age, and then Sari is such a throwback to someone who doesn't really do any of that. I love him. And I've got to say, Chelsea winning games, enjoying winning games. It reminds you of Chelsea teams of your, David, of your. We'll see. I think we could win the Europa League this year, Rodgson. Big if Fingers true. crossed. Big if true. Watford 2, Tottenham 1. Wow, what a shock this result was. A battle between two teams that had yet to drop points coming into the weekend. Sees the plucky Orns emerge victorious. Spurs oh. took... I'm so happy for Elton John. Spurs took the lead on 53 <laughs> minutes via... And Decore on goal, but two set-piece goals from Troy Deeney and Belfast-born Craig Cathcart. See Watford win their first four league games for the first time in 30 years, Rob. astonishing, mate. No one is mugging them off right now. Don't mug me off. Two undefeated teams enter. One undefeated team leaves. and Not the one we imagined, David. I mean, this game changed. And I've got huge, huge respect for the job that Javi Gracia has done with his young, eclectic squad filling their bellies with the fire of Spartan power-armoured super soldiers. But this game changed once Spurs had taken the lead. Watford stopped trying to play football and meet their opponents on their turf. They started to assert themselves with their game, collective, robust, potency. Physical. Yeah, it was amazing to watch a team where every Jose Holobas set-piece felt like an opportunity for them to just batter their opponents, smite them. No, without a doubt. And I, I enjoy the kind of football that Watford play. I enjoy how physical it is. I enjoy how actively their crowd get into it. It was sort of refreshing to see Spurs being Spursy again. We haven't seen Spurs being Spursy for quite a while. Spurs have been so good, we'd almost... We haven't used the word Spursiness or Spursy a lot in the So in much the last that was good about year. Spurs, like Vertonghen and Alderweireld, just like every time a ball was dropped, a drone strike onto the head of Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney. But if I was Troy Deeney and I had a son, I'd call him Who. That would be his first name. But he looks cut. Houdini. Yeah, I'd l- I'd just love it. I always wanted a child. My wife would never allow me. It was a one name. She wouldn't allow me for our kids, Houdini. I was obsessed with Houdini Bennett. Kid. Yeah, just like wanted it. So even as a middle name, it would be amazing. She wouldn't let me go with this. I'd like, whenever I think of Troy Deeney, I'd just be like, name it who. Name it who for me. He looks so cut now. He looks like a man for whom every gym day is abs day, bro. But oh, he's he is. Just, he's lost a lot of weight. He's yeah. in shape. He's Davo level. 
Mm. I bet you he knows what his BMI is, right? I bet, bet you it's better than mine. You reckon? Yeah. I mean, it's better than Vertonghen and Alderweireld. He battered them. And in the second half, what you said, David, as they routed, they smote their supposed superiors, Vicarage Road. It was akin to a Roman Colosseum, a throbbing cauldron, a baying wonder, led by a beaming Sir Elton John. Yeah, absolutely. Who, who Martin Tyler made the great joke as he sat in the Sir Elton John part of the stadium. And you can tell everyone... This is my stand. What's <laughs> <laughs> in time dad Oh joke. my God, such a dad joke. Can we toast Watford fans? Though? I genuinely cannot imagine what they're feeling. Winning four top flight games of the season for the first time in the club's history. We're staying up is what they're feeling. Yeah, 28 more points. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, they've proven once again that when it comes to football, your point, David, no one knows anything. By the way, I should say I'm Watford. And they also sold Rich Arlison, who was clearly their best player to you. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, that it, that, that shouldn't hurt, you. but it does. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, my, brain, my tiny pea brain can't even compute that. <laughs> I'm filled with self-loathing. So let's talk about Spurs, David. Yeah. All hailed the flip-flopping false friend that is Premier League narrative. Feels like years ago we were talking about them after that 3-0 Love Cruise win against Manchester United, which saw them hailed as true Premier League contenders. They only go and crap the bed against Harry the Hornets mob. How do you understand that? Well, I think Watford is a very difficult place to go and play football. I think London derbies, even though Watford isn't really in London, but London derbies are really, really tough. They're very, very difficult. These London, we often see upsets between London teams because London teams, like, hate each other, hate each other. The fans hate each other. There's so much previous. There's so much stuff going on. So I'm not really surprised. I heard a lot of Tottenham fans going into this game on a couple of my group chats I'm on with a lot of Tottenham fans, very confident going to Watford. Yes! And I was always like, I don't know about that. That's Watford so are pretty good. Because Pochettino had urged his players all week long. He was like an Argentinian flavor flave, just saying, don't believe the hype. All week, that was his message. We should not be reading our own press. Eric Dyer had talked about how this is a team that runs on mentality rather than money. And the mentality in this game, it was what Pep talked about, was complacency. It was yeah. the great nemesis of good teams in this Premier League. Only bright spot for Spurs. Tottenham forward, Son Heung-min, will avoid two years of compulsory military service for South Korea. Oh, they won the Asian Games. They beat Japan 2-1 in the Asian Games. Wow. And that gold medal is an automatic way for South Korean footballers to be excused the call-up. We all know that now. We're all really... Uh, knowledgeable about the South Korean compulsory military service. Are the players, Dave, that you would like to have mandatory military service? Can I put a small list together? Go, go, share it with me. Everton's Ross Barkley. So you're saying because you'd like to see them go because yeah. you, you, you think it's a bad thing for them or you think it's going to build their character? Well, I'd like them to get away from my team. Yeah. Uh, but I think they'll probably do them good. Yeah. Also, A and B. Yeah. Or A or B. Okay. Ross Barkley. Doesn't play for your team anymore. Breck Shape. I, okay. I think you do with, do, do with two years on the 59th parallel or whatever it is. Alvaro Morata for the third. I thought that's all he needs to... Bit of toughening up. Yeah. Who comes to mind? I think it would be amazing to like serve your country and be in the military. So I think that it would be uh, about who would be an amazing, amazing member of the armed forces. So Harry Maguire, Slabhead. Slabhead. You want him? Yeah. He'd be really He'd good be at it. He'd be very good at putting his head against opponents' heads in a angry but he would be phenomenal way. at it. I think Jamie Vardy could do with some of the discipline. I yeah. think it would be good for Jamie Vardy. Oh, straight to go out and... of a World War II infantry movie. I always thought Harry, Jack Wilshire looked like yeah. he like, with a bit, of, a bit of dirt on his face. Sorry, officer. Can you just give me a cigarette? And baby Rashford. Marcus Rashford, but he'd come back with hair on his chest in the, in the spot of military <laughs> service. It would be good God for him. God forbid. Cardiff, two. Arsenal, three. So many people walked into uh, my kitchen where I was watching the game this weekend and said, car? Who a car? 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 What is car? What is car? Cardiff City, Rods 2, Arsenal 3. A five-goal thriller earns Unai Emery his second win on the bounce over the newly promoted Bluebirds. The team's twice-traded goals before Alexandra Lacazette blasted home the winner on 81 minutes. One of the games of the weekend, this, Rog. It was, David. Just your routine Cardiff-Arsenal shootout. Yeah. Both teams they're always classics. <laughs> Cardiff Arsenal games are always classics when they're played classics. in South Wales. Let's line up the scoreboard, says Neil Warnock. Arsenal maintaining their record as just the Premier League entertainers. They're just entertainers. We just hear the way to change. We're just sung a dance, man. We do a lot of good work for charity. Oh, they are like San Diego 
Chargers Air Coriel era. They're like the Atlanta Falcons. They're all offense, defense, not so much. They were both bad. Cardiff's defense was bad because, well, they're crap. Arsenal's just lack completely in confidence. They did open the scoring through Mustafi, which led to the Arsenal fans chanting, how must you be? We're winning away. <laughs> oh, but Jack had other ideas. In Judge Iver time, he lofted a ball casually straight down the gut of the Cardiff attack, setting up the equaliser. Let's clap Cardiff. They finally scored a big boy goal. Arsenal, so much quality, so much talent on the field. It ultimately showed Lacazette, Aubameyang combining. But GFOP Assad Merchant 33 summed up the feeling of the game, his heart beating, no doubt, through his rib cage. Even though the ref blew the final whistle, I'm still expecting a Cardiff equaliser. Dave. Arsenal laboured, but they got another. This was a very, very important three points. Back-to-back wins. Arsenal, back-to-back wins. Sitting on six points. Six points is not a bad place to be going in the international break. Uh, I think it's still going to be closer up at the top this season. I say Cardiff. God, if you fuse their fearless collective tenacity with Arsenal's talent, you would have a top four contender. I really feel like Arsenal still play football for long spells as if they're contemplating the worst-case scenario of doom being just one misplaced pass away. For Cardiff, though, oh, you, they will love the tenacity. They will not love the result. It was dirty dozen, longest yard, cool runnings kind of stuff. But for them, Chelsea, Man City, Spurs and Liverpool now loom on the horizon. Enjoy the memories while you can, Cardiff fans. I still don't fully believe that Unai Emery, when I'm watching, yeah. I sort of feel like the scriptwriters are asking me to believe something like, I just can't go He's with. He's badly cast. Yeah, but the Unai Emery is the manager of Arsenal. He just often seems very disconnected from the action on the field. It's, uh, it's so interesting. He looks like one of the boyfriends in like the last series of Beverly Hills 90210 when yeah. they just stopped casting properly and they just like yeah. got semi-good-looking guys and flung them into the... The kind of the storylines didn't matter anymore. Or one of those guys in, in, in the first season of Star Trek who wear the red shirts, who you know early on that they're, they're the ones gonna who are going to get killed <laughs> by the aliens. Is he sort of the red shirt manager of the of the Premier League? You're not. You're not anyway, you are not giving I'm him not an iota in, of emotional investment. I'm not invested in him yet. I just can't really go there. Uh, West Ham United nil, Wolverhampton won. The oft-slept-on end of the alphabet derby sees the Premier League's Portuguese pip woeful West Ham via a 93rd minute Adama Traore. Winner. The Irons remain the only Premier League side without a point, Rog. <gasps> While Wolves bag their first Premier League dub. Yeah, the LA Wolves get their first Premier League win, Davo. It's big up and down California, no doubt. Big credit to Portuguese international goalkeeper Rui Patricio, who used every part of his body, mostly his face, to keep West Ham at bay. Poor West Ham. Oh, pointless, beleaguered, stoned and starving at a loud 34 tweeted us, we might rent the London Stadium, but we own the bottom of the table. Mm. And every year in April, we rent it out to three teams and renew possession in August. Apparently, that is the West Ham way. Yeah, it's a little scary. I don't uh, fancy being at London Stadium next home game. <laughs> okay, Brighton 2, Fulham 2, an 84th minute Glen Aldo Murray penalty. Roger, his second goal of the game sees Brighton take a point off Fulham who had taken the lead through former Chelsea man Andre Schürrle and everyone's favourite level-headed Serb, Alexander Mitrovic. Oh, heartbreaking stat if you're a Newcastle fan. Since his Fulham debut in February, Mitrovic has scored more goals in English league football than any other player. Amazing, Rog. Crystal Palace nil, Southampton 2. The yellow and blue-clad Saints get their first win of the season thanks to second-half goals from Danny Ings and Pierre-Emile Hoiber. Palace were without Wilfred Zaha in this one as he reportedly recovers from an abductor muscle he suffered in training on do Friday. Do I have an abductor muscle? You do not. Okay. Talk you about also one... were not in any form of training on Friday. Talk, talk about one-man team, David. Palace have played 12 league games without Wilf. Yeah. And they've lost all 12. Yeah. Scored four goals, leaked 27 in the process. The footballing equivalent of Louis XIV's quote, I am the state and the state is me. He's there everything. He is, Roger. Everton won. Huddersfield won. Yeah. Well done. You got a big boy point for the second straight week. Your main squeeze takes on one of your creepers, Roger. This time, it was your side partner, the Terriers. You love the Terriers. Love the you used terriers. to wear that hat all the time. That went ahead <laughs> first via a Philip Billing header. That lead lasted just 87 seconds, Rog, yeah. as Everton went right down yeah. the other end and young Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the speediest player in the Premier League, 
headed home a victory for monogamy, which was actually just a draw. Rog, mm. how did you live it? You must have thought when he equalised that they were going to go on and win it. I did. And... I did. I was a bit frustrated, actually. Yeah. Everton were to attacking football what, I guess, Theresa May is to dancing. <laughs> it was pretty much what I feared, my worst-case scenario, like a Scooby-Doo finale in which Marco Silva's Everton have their Rich Arlison mass ripped off to reveal that Big Sam was underneath it all the time. So it was like last season, it was. We couldn't shoot. <laughs> we didn't want to shoot. And we can't defend, particularly on set pieces. Corners feel like penalties against Everton. Four set piece they've conceded on. Whenever there's a set piece, every Everton defender, it doesn't matter who they are, they just suddenly turn into Ashley Bloody Williams. I thought about what this game was like. The Uruguayan Eduardo Galeano, great poet, he once said Maradona played football as if the ball was stuck to his foot. Lionel Messi as if he was wearing the ball inside of his shoe. And I thought, what would Edu- how would Eduardo Galeano describe the Everton performance then? I think Eduardo Galeano would say that Everton play football as if the ball is a case of the airborne clap. Herpes. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was awful. And watching Everton, they're like Mourinho's United in disguise at their worst. Watching it conjured same sense of frustration that stained last season. Brightside, we're still undefeated. Yeah, you Trust are. the process, question mark. You're going to be the Invincibles all over again. Six points, Rog, as we've said about Man United, we said about Arsenal, it's fine. Six points is fine. Tap me on the head. Please. It's where you're going to go from here. <laughs> okay, in MLS, Rog. MLS. If there was ever news that should follow a glorious full-throated eagle screech, it is this, Rog. Clint Dempsey, he of 57 US men's national team goals, 141 national team appearances, a 15-year professional career, seven of those in the Premier League, has retired effective immediately. Yeah, and the week that his Sounders win their eighth straight eight MLS record, he retires in inimitable style with the minimum fuss. If ever a player hated the spotlight, it was Clint. The only ever winner of the Men in Blazers camo blazer o' glory. To me, Davo, and this is a question mark, I guess, would you say he's the most accomplished American player of all time? I mean, look, the two best American players of all time for me are Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey. It's tough. I think time will tell. I think we need some perspective to look back and say which one of them was better. I saw both of them perform incredibly for their country. They're almost like different weight classes, very different kinds of players. I I loved watching Clint play. I mean, it was like watching an exclamation point come to life. Whenever the ball fell to his feet in that final third, you just knew what was going through his mind, what was going through his imagination, which was he was just going to power that ball on goal. Uh, When I made that hard knock show for the US team in 2014, I did spend half my time trying to persuade Clint Dempsey to sign for Everton. He he was really, that's the greatest compliment I can give him. He was an Everton kind of player, just a tenacious, swaggering maverick. He'd have been perfect. And he retires to me an undisputed, authentic national treasure. I want to thank you, Clint, for the joy you've given us, the memory of that goal against Ghana inside 29 seconds in that World Cup. Even as we talk about it now, it makes my heart pound. And also, what was it against Jamaica? His swaggering is taking on the players in midfield against Jamaica. I just love that. Loved it. God, I'll miss your juice face. Talking about the greats that walk amongst us. Yep. Wayne Rooney. Yep. And another big weekend, Rog. Wow. Did he ever, leading DC United in a 3-1, ultimately a romp over Atlanta United. Yeah. Two assists, one goal. And what a redemption story we're witnessing. DC yeah. United, a lost cause of he's a team. Just doing his job, Rog. He's not there because <laughs> his job should have been just to be embarrassed to be there like Stevie G. It just his short... When a Premier League player loses their Premier League identity, it's so shattering for them. You look at Frank Lampard, look at Stevie mm. G. You look at Perlo, he should have been embarrassed. He arrived on a team that were terrible. They were a lost cause. He arrived as a man in search of meaning. I- I'll say, to watch him play football is a redemption, a vindication on, like, Jamie Lannister. Where's Mantooth level? It- it's amazing to me to watch. Right, Ashley Cole has, has managed to play very well in the MLS. Way the swamp. Absolutely. Way the swamp. <laughs> it's, it's, it's catching on, Rod. Apparently the Washington Post wrote, wrote an article. They did. They, they went to they get a game at the Audi Field, which I'd recommend yeah. anybody do. And they said, cheers of Wayne the swamp filtered out over the field. And I felt both 
So proud and so guilty in equal yeah, measure. You should Wade do. the swamp. Okay, your international break weekend looks like this, Roger. Kicks off Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports 1 as the U.S. men's national team take on Brazil at Red Bull Arena. Saturday, England hosts Spain at 2.45 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus and Univision. <sighs> and it's not technically the weekend, but next Tuesday, both those teams are in action with England playing Switzerland at 3 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus and the U.S. playing Mexico at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time in Nashville. Also, Ross, the U.S. women's national team in action tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2. Chile is running it back against Jill Ellis' side after the U.S. won Friday's game in L.A. Great Three game. goals to nil. Okay, time for a prophetic shot of Jägermeister to see what this international break oh, weekend holds. Favorite part what is your Jägermeister telling you, Roger? Oh, oh, that, God, I never feel more alive than in the seconds after a Jägermeister shot. That... Jägermeister tells me, oh, we've got Tim Ware and Weston McKinney coming into the playroom. Oh, room. that's good. Great guests. I, I'm really looking forward to meeting these young, raw talents. The, this U.S. team, the squad, an average age, 23 years, 241 days, 14 players are younger than 23. There's going to be a time when the familiar veterans of U.S. teams all do return. I mean, we have not seen the last, I don't think, of Michael Bradley and Josie Altador. But I'm fascinated by how these young guns upend the national team hierarchy and just transform the locker room culture. And this shot of Jägermeister is telling me they will play fearlessly. But against Rich Arlison's Brazil, I see a late Brazilian goal lead to a 2-1 win, which will be a moral victory of the U.S. men's national team. That might be the first time anybody's ever called Brazil Rich Arlison's Brazil, <laughs> Rog. You know what I'm predicting, Rog? I'm predicting a slab head hat trick oh. over the two England fixtures. You know, the delivery in from Kieran Trippier is so good. Uh, I think Slabhead's going to get his head on the ball. I think over two games, he'll score three goals. I think England will still struggle to win either game. Okay, there are many ways to connect to us, Rog, including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed into the Men and Blazers Boardmart. Anytime you buy something big or small from the Boardmart, we get a tiny percentage that allows us to produce additional, albeit several lots more content. What are you putting in the Boardmart this week, Roger? A book. Oh. One clear ice cold January morning at the beginning of the 21st century. That name of the book is shorter than the guy's name who wrote it. Roland Schimmelpfennig. I apologize, Roland, if you're listening. Entschuldigung, if you're listening, and I have mispronounced it. You are a German playwright, and you've written a mesmerizing, hypnotic novel about borders, nationalities, identity, hopes and dreams in modern Europe. I'll describe it like if the late Robert Altman had made an ensemble movie about modern life in Berlin as told through interlocking narratives, this book would be it. It's short chapters that depict intertwined stories. It's cinematic to read kinetic kaleidoscopic and i'm still so sad from reading it even though i finished it four days ago which i think is the mark of a great read right i'm putting a book in as well well i think my i'm temporarily struggling yeah. with football a little right now yeah. what i'm really into rog is home design i'm getting really into decorating crafts this is my new deck i like crafts but i like decorating rog it's my new thing you know, I've got this new house in Los Angeles, and it, it comes with a rental property. And the rental property is an old Spanish house, which someone at some point decided to do up all Moroccan. I'm desperately trying to find the story, trying to find out who lived there, right? <sighs> and decided to, like, do it up. And it's, it's done. The bathrooms are all Moroccan. There's, like, love, sort of Moroccan stained glass. It's going to turn There's out Moroccan to be the lead tiles. singer of Green Day or something. I know. It probably <laughs> will be something just like that. Or someone in Beverly Hills 90210. It's old Spanish house, but it now has all this Moroccan influence all over and I'm about to embark uh, on a redesign project with this and have become uh, obsessed, along with my interior designer, on doing it up all Moroccan again, yeah. really going going hard. Not trying we're going to take the Moroccan to 11. No, we're not going to try and take it. Yeah, we're going to go to 11 with the Moroccanness of this place. So I've been buying uh, Moroccan design books, the best of which seems to be, Rog, Moroccan interiors by Lisa Lovett-Smith. Don't be put off. She doesn't sound that Moroccan. Yeah. But she seems to know she a lot about Moroccan interiors. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds neither Moroccan. Yeah. And she also sounds like she just comes through the Arsenal Academy. Yeah, it is. Plug that book again. It sounds Moroccan amazing. Moroccan interiors, Rog, by Lisa Lovett-Smith. Have you ever been to Morocco? No, I want to go to Marrakesh really badly. It's oh, amazing. This morning I started Genuinely thinking, amazing. why am I buying all these Moroccan design books? I just need to go to Marrakesh. You know why you've not been? Why? I've been to paradise. 
but I've never been to me. I don't know why. Why are you saying that? that? <laughs> Have you ever been to Marrakesh? Yeah, amazing time. Fantastic nights. Fantastic nights in Marrakesh. Yeah. La Mamunia, if you're listening. Fantastic yeah. hotel. Had great nights out in Fez. Yeah. Out on the Lash in Essaouira. Wow. Hello to all Moroccan GFOPs. Do we have many? Um, I hope we'll find out. We will see. Uh, okay, Rog, you can follow us on Twitter at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davis, at Rog Bennett, on Instagram at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davis, on Facebook, Men in Blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. I just remembered I met Lou Reed in Marrakesh. You did? I had a drink with him at the pool in the hotel. Huh. He was just lying there. And it was hot than hell. It was about 92 degrees. We were by the pool in a hotel. Um, and he was still wearing black leather pants. And a black cut-off T-shirt. And I just thought, that is... When, when you've got a look and you have to stay with it, even in 92 degrees... God, like, go home and listen to Transformer. I miss Lou Reed. Rog, we got a book. We wrote a book. Encyclopedia yeah. Blazer Tanaka. It's not as good as uh, Moroccan interior design. It's, it's, not, it's not, but it's good. It's a New York Times bestseller. Buy it for your... So's Moroccan interiors, Rog. You can buy it for yourself <laughs> or for your new football-loving friends. It's available at all good booksellers, particularly ones rhyming with Amazon. Amazon. It is everything we know about football and uh, it's shockingly longer than a pamphlet, Rog. Uh, Vendepunk. War pig. Who wants the sex Matombo? I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Mm, balls lose. Oh, we're back to Tweed. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu fight in America. Wayne the swamp. Wayne, Wayne the, the swamp. swamp. Wayne the swamp. Love you, David. Love you, Rog. And happy new year to all our Mosaic listeners. <laughs>